Today's sermon text is Romans 15, 7 through 13. It can be found on page 949 on your pew Bibles. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and sing your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Thank you, Daniel. And happy birthday to Daniel yesterday. Some some others of you had birthdays yesterday too, so happy birthday to you. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor of Community Life here. Let's welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. I had to say that. I say it every single morning. Welcome to Scottsdale. You're not in Scottsdale. You're, you're in Phoenix. Welcome to Scottsdale, most livable city. When I was attending Phoenix Seminary, I would have to drive by this welcome sign once, once or twice a month, depending on the route I took. It's on 60th Street and Cactus in Scottsdale, and it makes the claim the most livable city, the most livable city. Whether that statement is true or not, I always felt welcomed as I was driving into Scottsdale. (laughs) So livable means suitable to live in, possible to bear, endurable, tolerable, pleasant, and I've lived in Scottsdale. It is, a, it is a pleasant city to live in. There are nice restaurants, nice retail shops, the palm trees and landscaping are all pretty and nice. It's clean. And I was thinking about what kind of sign could Trinity Bible Church make that would rival that sign? Welcome to Trinity Bible Church. Most lovable church. I like that. Everyone walking around saying, I love this church. Everyone greeting one another with, I love you. Everyone loves the carpet. It's it's brand new carpet. Everyone loves the smell of it. Everyone is high-fiving each other. Everyone is rejoicing and praising God together. And we're all talking about Jesus. And no one is judging each other. It's just a lovable church. So this morning, ask yourself, how am I doing at welcoming, accepting my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus at Trinity Bible Church? How am I making Trinity Bible Church a welcoming place? Please pray with me. Almighty Father, we praise you 
We thank you for welcoming us into your presence. Help us to love one another as you have loved us, to welcome one another as you have welcomed us. Help me, Lord, this morning to love your people, to feed your people. Help me. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the mighty name of King Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Are you ready to receive this morning's message with great eagerness and examine the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is true? All right, this morning's big idea. Christians glorify God by imitating Christ's example of welcoming. You have your bulletin. Go ahead and write that down. This is a big idea. Christians glorify God by imitating Christ's example of welcoming. Paul is bringing how to live together in gospel community to a close. He's coming to a conclusion. In the beginning of chapter 12, Paul appealed to the saints in Rome by the mercies of God to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, to live in harmony with one another, and to love one another. And in all of chapter 14, in the beginning of chapter 15, Paul encouraged the stronger in faith to welcome or to accept the one with a weaker faith. It's okay to have convictions, but don't get caught up in things like what to eat or what to drink or what days should be holy. Don't lose track of the goal of being unified in Christ, being in harmony with one another. And in this morning's text, Paul gives an overarching command to the saints in Rome. He's going to close with this command. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And the structure for this morning's passage, Paul begins with an encouragement to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you in verse 7. He follows up with his, with his encouragement in verse 8 with why Christ became a servant to the, to the circumcised, to the Jews. In verses 9 through 12, Paul cites four passages of Scripture from the Old Testament as proof that both Jew and Gentile will praise God together. And Paul concludes with a prayer that we may abound in hope. So if you're not there yet, let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 15. Verse 7, welcome one another. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Paul picks up this theme of welcoming, accepting one another from earlier in his letter. Chapter 14, verse 1, as for the weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. The command to welcome one another in verse 7 of chapter 15 is for both the weak and the strong, to the Jew and the Gentile. We are called, commanded to welcome one another in the same way Christ has welcomed, has accepted us. So welcome here is an imperative, a command, and it's in the present tense. You all keep on welcoming, or you all keep on accepting one another. 
And why don't we ever stop this action of welcoming one another? Because Christ has welcomed us. We know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, to bring the dead to life, to heal the sick, to bind up the wounded, to instruct the simple, to make the unrighteous righteous, to make all things new. Christ welcomed sinners. When you were dead in your trespasses and sin, he welcomed you. He didn't ask where you came from. He didn't check your level of education. He didn't ask for your last name. He didn't take a look at your financial portfolio. He didn't ask for a list of good deeds that you have done. He didn't check your good grades. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. It was your faith that was counted as righteousness. Your faith in Christ Jesus is counted as righteousness. Nothing in your hands you bring. It was simply to the cross of Christ that you clinged. Just cling to word, clinged. Paul said in Romans 5 that while we were still weak and ungodly, while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. We've been justified by the shedding of his blood, reconciled to God. And as Paul said in chapter 14, verse 18, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. And it only makes sense that we should welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. What other reason would we do that? For the glory of God. God receives all the glory when we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. When we lay aside our preferences, we are welcoming one another. When we lay aside our liberties, we are welcoming one another. And how will people know that we are disciples of Jesus? How will they know? By our love for one another. Not by our making fun of one another. And definitely not by how much we quarrel over opinions. Let's be knowing. Trinity Bible Church, let's be knowing by how we love and welcome one another so that God alone receives all the glory. Christ welcomes by, be, Christ welcomes by becoming a servant to the circumcised. Verse 8, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Circumcised here is figuratively the Jewish people. Jesus was circumcised. Jesus was a descendant of the line of Abraham, of the line of David. Christ became a servant to the Jew first. Christ's sacrificial death on the cross provided a way for Israel and all the nations to be delivered from their sin. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to serve, 
came not to be served, but to serve. Came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus become a servant to the Jews? For what reason? To confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. To show God's truthfulness for the sake of God's truth. In order to confirm the promises given to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God's covenant promises were to Israel, to the Jews first. And you'll all recall in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, when he sends out the 12 disciples, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And again in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said to the Canaanite or Syrophoenician woman, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus was demonstrating God's covenant faithfulness to his chosen people, Israel. For the Jews, Jesus confirmed the promises given to the patriarchs. Jesus became a servant so that the word of God would be proven true. And what other reason did God become a servant to the Jews? That the nations might praise God for his mercy for his steadfast love. Not only is God's saving purpose for the Jews, but also for the nations, for the Gentiles, for you and me. Verse 9, And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercies. The Gentiles are going to glorify God for the great mercy extended to them. Glorify means to honor God, to give him praise, to magnify God, to adore God, to worship God. We are to esteem God above all things, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Do we glorify God because of his great mercy with all of our being. I know that I don't. It was because of God's great mercy that the Gentiles get to partake in the spiritual blessings of God. This is what Paul has been trying to explain to the Jewish believers in Rome in chapters 9 through 11 that Gentiles are included in the promises of God because of his great mercy. Romans 9 verse 15 For God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And verse 16, Paul says, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And in order to further prove that the Gentiles will receive mercy, Paul is going to reference it 
four passages from the Old Testament. And he starts with citing the Psalms as his first source. Second half of verse 9, Romans. Therefore I will praise, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Paul is citing a Psalm of David. Psalm 18, verse 49. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. David is praising God, singing to him because God delivered him from his enemies. Praise is to openly confess, to openly admit. I will openly confess, praise you among the Gentiles. I will admit that you are my God among the Gentiles. And David also highlights the great mercy of God in verse 50 of Psalm 18. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. And to sing in verse 9 of Romans comes from the Greek word solo, to sing praise, to sing hymns. And solo is similar to the Greek word psalmos or psalm. Solo, sing, means to play or strike the strings of an instrument. And you heard all the instruments playing together this morning. Malachi and John and Elliot, they were strumming and plucking the guitars. Brandon was banging on the drums. Eric was striking the keys on the piano. Maybe not that rough, maybe more. Stephanie and Adriana were belting out musical notes with their voices, and all of you with one voice were singing along. You were soloing, singing. This is how we do it here at Trinity Bible Church. We praise, confess God's name, we sing music. We make noise to the God who sees and hears his people. And Paul cites a second source from the scriptures, this time from the law of Moses. Verse 10 of Romans. Again, and again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Let me take a drink. I'm starting to yell too much. Rejoice means to make glad, to celebrate. Rejoice, celebrate. I personally like the word party. You ready to party? (laughs) This quotation is in verse 10 is that Paul comes from verse 43 of Deuteronomy chapter 32. We find Moses praising God in song. Moses is writing his concluding remarks regarding God's law and breaks out in song. The last line of this song from Moses, verse 43, Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, all gods. For he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. And notice that in the very beginning of this song, verse 1 of Deuteronomy 32, Moses sings, Give ears, give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Paul is including the Gentiles and rejoicing 
with God's people, Israel. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with God's people. Rejoice. And it almost seems like Paul can't help himself from wanting to rejoice. You remember how Paul was reminding us in chapter 12 to rejoice in hope and to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we're going through the book of Philippians on Wednesday nights, and we're going to come up to Philippians 4. And Paul says, rejoice always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice. And I'll assume that most of us, if not all of us in this room, are Gentile believers. If you believe in Jesus, you have been grafted in to the family of God. You are a child of the Most High God if you believe and trust in King Jesus. And some of you show rejoicing outwardly by throwing in your hands in the air and singing out loud. I tend toward that kind of, kind of rejoicing. And by the way, thank you for welcoming me. And some of you rejoice with uh, the give me a five stance, you know. Some of you are inwardly rejoicing and may show it with a slight smile and expressive eyes. And we thank you for balancing out as crazy rejoicers. And some of you still might be trying to figure out this whole rejoicing thing. Rejoicing sounds amazing when we do it together. It's harmonious. So you know when I sing aloud, when I sing alone, it doesn't sound good. And some of you are well aware of that. But when we sing together, out loud with cymbals and drums and guitars and pianos, it sounds beautiful. Let's take a moment just to rejoice in our hearts. Rejoice in your hearts. Paul moves to his third source from the scriptures, once again from the Psalms. In verse 11, Paul Paul highlights how the Gentiles alone are giving all the praise to the Lord. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. Paul cites Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. And verse 2 of Psalm 117. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And this was the call text from earlier this morning. We should memorize Psalm 117. It's only two verses, and you can tell people that you memorized the whole psalm, and they'll be like, whoa, you memorized the whole psalm. There is a loving, unified togetherness, a like-mindedness when we sing together. All differences, preferences are put aside. As I was meditating on this text this week, I thought of all the different backgrounds that we have and all the experiences, all the church experiences that that we have, and we all come together as one, and just the importance of welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us. And I was thinking about the Church of Christ I went to when I was seven or eight years old, and there was Pastor Earl. He was the only pastor, and he would lead the singing of hymns out of this blue hymnal book, Songs of the Church. And I don't recall there being any instruments. It was just our voices. 
There was a short sermon, and after uh, that short sermon, Pastor Earl would invite all the children to come up and sit in the front pew. There was only, you know, five or six of us. And he had this huge sketch pad, this drawing pad, where he would draw out in stick man figures stories from the Old Testament. And I remember David and Goliath. David was this small stick figure, little sling, and David or Goliath was this huge stick figure. And there was a red blood spot on Goliath's head, and he had X's in his eyes. I think that means that Goliath died. Seemed like there was a potluck every Sunday. And that was church for me as a child. When I was in my mid-twenties, I went to a church with my older brother that happened to be in North Scottsdale. I hadn't been in a church for about 15 years. This time at church, there was a band of about 10 people playing instruments. I remember the music being super loud, everyone singing and swaying. My brother tried to get me out. I'd never seen anything like this in a church. I was just sitting there just reading my Bible. Aren't we just supposed to sit in the pew and read our Bible? Right? Now I can't get enough of the instruments and us singing along together and swaying and and raising my hands. And why do I tell you that story? Because we come from different backgrounds. We've had different church experiences. We've gone to different churches in different cities. But one major thing we have in common, Christ has welcomed us. We are united in Christ Jesus. In our community group last week, someone mentioned that if it wasn't for Jesus, they wouldn't be hanging out with any of us. (laughs) Isn't that true? It's Jesus who brings us together. Let's be eager to accept one another. There will be times when it's not so easy to be of the same mind, but that's when we go to God. We ask the God of endurance to grant us mercy and grace to live in harmony with one another. Those of us who are members of this church, you are members of one another. You believe in the same statement of faith. You believe in one infinite and personal God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christians glorify God by imitating Christ's example of welcoming. We welcome one another because of God's steadfast love toward us. God gave his son Jesus to us the root of Jesse, so that we would be one with him and one with one another. And Paul gives us one more piece of evidence from his fourth source, from the prophet Isaiah. Verse 12 of Romans. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. Paul is citing Isaiah 11, verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Paul sees this ultimate fulfillment 
of our one togetherness in the scriptures. Jew and Gentile coming together in Christ Jesus. The Gentiles only have hope because of Jesus, the only son who God raised to rule over the nations. And I got to give you Isaiah 11 verses 1 through 5. Read along with me. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his weight and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And this root of Jesse is none other than King Jesus. And you recall in chapter 12 how Jesus is entering Jerusalem and the crowd took branches of palm trees crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. It's always been God's plan to bring salvation to the nations. God promised Abraham in Genesis 12. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in all, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And it is in Jesus that both Jew and Gentile come together. God gives us unity in Christ Jesus. We don't come together in the name of a political party. We don't come together in the name of a certain type of hairstyle or clothing. We don't come together because we are all from the same type of background. We come together in the name of Jesus. And are you noticing how Paul keeps going to the scriptures? We should do the same. We should go to the scriptures to be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And Paul concludes with benediction. God will fill you with all hope and joy and peace in believing. Verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What a beautiful prayer. Paul prays that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and peace in believing. In believing in Jesus. At the very beginning of Paul's letter, Verses 16 and 17, chapter 1. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. By your faith, by your believing in Christ Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The only true object of our hope is Christ Jesus. Who or what is your hope in this morning? 
If it's not Jesus, you are hopeless because you are without a Savior. If your hope is in Christ Jesus, you can be full of joy, happiness, gladness, which gives you peace in believing. And you can now rest. We can rest. Are you feeling tired this morning? Empty? Christ has welcomed you. Jesus will give you rest. He will fill your empty cup. Are you feeling guilty because of your anger, bitterness, sinfulness? Christ has welcomed you. Are you feeling lonely and forgotten? Christ sees you and has welcomed you. Is your health declining and you're feeling helpless? Christ can heal and has welcomed you. Do you feel like you're in a rut and it keeps getting deeper? You've lost family. Your marriage is broken. Christ has welcomed you. Children, children, are you feeling left out? Like no one pays attention to you? Like no one listens to you? Like you, run a, like you want to run away? Christ loves the little children, and he has welcomed you. And maybe you don't know Jesus, and you want Christ to welcome you. Come to Jesus. Bow your head and knees before the cross of Christ. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus The arms of Jesus are spread out. It's like a giant welcome sign. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Most qualified Savior. Only Savior. Come to the cross. There is no reluctance on the part of Jesus to welcome us. With the most outstretched of arms, He welcomes us. He says, come to me. And I will give you rest. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And he is interceding for those who believe in him. And he will return to judge the living and the dead. And John, in the book of Revelation, spoke of this great day of salvation. Chapter 7 of Revelation, verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white clothes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us, We are demonstrating to the world that God has fulfilled his promises to bring salvation to the nations, to both Jew and Gentile. When those who don't know God look at how we love and welcome one another, they get to see a glimpse of the already, but not yet, kingdom of heaven. So let's be the most lovable church in all of Phoenix. 
a church that goes out of its way to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Christians glorify God by imitating Christ's model of welcoming. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray.